How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Good? Yeah, me too. Isn't it beautiful? It's a great weekend, having fun, a little extra day, off time off from school, all that good stuff, right? And nobody invited me to go out on their boat. I'm a little bit concerned about where's that guy? I don't know about this. You didn't invite me on, my, on your boat. Oh, oh, I can't believe that. Well, anyway, um, even so, I'm enjoying the weather, even though I didn't get to go out on your boat. Um, what do you think I have in my hand? Sand. Sand. Yeah, yes, it's a jar with sand inside. And we're going to keep the lid on it so the sand stays inside right now, right? How many of you can count each grain of sand in there? You'll try? Okay. Tell me how many you think there are there. Okay, you can? No, <laughs> you cannot. Okay. Yeah? No? You think a million? Uh, you think You think a million too. I don't know. There's a whole bunch. I can promise you there's a lot there. Now, can you imagine just going out to the seashore and, and uh, out, out in somebody's boat and landing by the shore in somebody's boat and, um, and, and just going out there and counting all the sand on the seashore? Would you like to do that? No? You wouldn't want to do that? That's impossible. But, you know, I want to tell you what God says, Okay. I, want, I just thought I'd let you know. It, it's it's very, if I can find it, in in Psalm chapter 139. I love Psalm 139. Do you guys love Psalm 139? Who knows? Depends on what it says, right? It talks about us. It talks about God making us. But this is the part I thought was really interesting. He says, the psalmist says this, David said this, he says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God's thoughts, God's thoughts outnumber the sand. If God's thoughts are more than the sand, and you said how many, you decided a million were in this jar, huh? Some of you said that. Maybe, I think maybe more. I don't know because I tried to count them. Well, let's let's try something easier, okay? I have something easier. Okay, now this one, maybe you can count. How many can you? How many are, are uh, Hershey's Kisses are there in here? Um, how many? Hundred? What do you think? You don't know. guess. Two. Okay, I think there's more than two. You with him? A hundred? Mm, hard question. Ten? Ten? You're doing like I did. That's exactly what I did. But you can't count them all. You think 40? What? 30? 30, uh-huh. Thirty something. All right. I happen to know because somebody counted them. I didn't count them, but somebody counted them. What's that? Forty-eight. Forty-eight's a good number. You went with forty. Forty-five is how many are in here. Now, isn't that exciting? Now I can count Hershey's kisses. I cannot count the sand. God's thoughts are like the, each of the grains of sand. 
He also looks at the sky and he says, he talks about the, how the stars are up there. Every time you look up at the sky at night, look at the stars, you can look and say, God can count those. God can count these, but God can count these. Those are how many thoughts he has beyond any, even the grains of sand. Now, let's pray and I will get, let each of you have one of these. If you, if you cannot have one, you better tell me, okay? All right, let's, we're going to pray for it. Father, we want to thank you so much that you love us this much and that your thoughts, your thoughts are beyond our imagination. We can't really think of all the things that you can think of. Uh, and yet you do more things even than we can think of. And so I just pray as we, as each one of these young people goes to their class now, that they will uh, hear from you as they worship with us together, that they will hear from you. And they will know some of your thoughts even about them, how you love them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Take one. All right, and try to dispose of the wrapper in a reasonable way, like as in the trash, okay? Not on the floor. Okay, and as you finish, as you get your candy, you may go out that door, and those of you who are going to the children's church, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I'm probably in trouble with somebody, but I'm not going to worry about that right now. <laughs> You won't believe what trouble I went through to get that sand. I said to my wife, I need sand today. For tomorrow, I need sand. And, and so we took a walk. And uh, I said, well, we'll just kind of go by. I needed to get the candy. So I went by to get the candy. And, and uh, we picked up the candy at, at the, the, the really classy joint. I take my wife to all the classiest places for dates. And we went over to uh, Kmart. And uh, and I picked up uh, some candy and thought, as she was genius, she went back to the to the um, uh, outdoors part and said, "Do you have sand? My husband needs sand." And they said, "Sure, they're in those bags up front, and they don't cost very much." But um, we were walking, and so uh, these big bags of sand, and but I had to have sand, right? And so I loaded, we made a deal with a broken open bag, and I made, made a deal, my wife made a deal actually, let's be honest about this. And so, so I carried that bag, that broken bag, in bags on my shoulder back to our home. And, I, and I, all I needed was a jar full. What was I thinking? I don't know. That's what she kept saying. Why didn't you just get enough for the jar, you know? But, but I, you know, I'm like, it was a bargain. I got it cheap, and I wanted all of it, Okay. I have no idea what I'm going to do with the rest of that play sand. If anybody needs it, might talk to me afterwards, okay? Because I have absolutely no use for all that play sand I now have. But uh, I was also, I'm kind of giving you a couple of free things before I really launch into this. That was free. The second thing I'll give you for free is that um, as I was in, having my quiet time this morning, and, uh, you know, I don't know if you do this, I look at things. How many of you like reading genealogies? Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm reading through five chapters of genealogies this morning. And, I, and at least you will be amazed. I did not fall asleep once. 
And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm just reading through these genealogies. I'm reading every crazy word. Now, now you guys know that we believe that all of the Word of God, all of the Bible is God's Word. It's God-breathed, God-inspired, right? And so I'm like, okay, God, this is your Word. It's inspired. I've got to read it. And so I'm reading it through. Now, I do this every year. So I'm like, you know, but, but sometimes I'll be honest with you. I kind of like skim the genealogies. I'll just be honest with you. How many of you do that? Yeah. How many of you actually skip it when you get there? Huh? All right. Yeah, I know there's some honest people here. There are a few of you that are not. And, uh, but, but I was actually I was reading every single word, each name and each, each beget. Of course, they're not begets in, in the version I was using. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? What's going? And actually, there's some stuff I discovered. I'll, I'm not going to give you that today because that would be another sermon. But one of the things I thought about is people, individual people by name, are somehow important to God. And I thought about um, the, the fact that we're celebrating Memorial Day tomorrow uh, during this weekend. And I thought, you know, every individual who gave their life for our country, each one was important to God. And uh, so as we, as we do this celebration over the weekend, as you do your planting of flowers or whatever you do or taking some time away, um, you know, it is good to remember that every individual is important to God. In fact, each of those persons that gave their life for us to live free in this country and be able to preach the gospel and talk to people about God and His Word, they gave their life for you, that we might have a chance. And some of you heard the gospel because of that. Each of those individuals was important to us and important to God. I'm not saying they all knew God, but each one, God had a plan for and so I look at that and I just thought, well, that's that's something important for us to think about. Let's go on. I just wanted to think about that for a moment. And I know some of you probably have people or you knew that actually did give their lives or they did sacrifice in order to for our, us to have our freedom. Well, I, I, I kind of wanted those kids to kind of think about counting the, the stars, counting the sand because of, of God's greatness for us. And today we're just looking at number one on, on one of God's thoughts. Uh, as Mike took us through God's introduction to the Ten Commandments last week, I, I couldn't help but notice or couldn't think about, I couldn't help but thinking about the significance of those verses to the Israelites and how they would relate to the words that they were about to hear. In the same way, I couldn't help noticing how Mike drew us to the completed work on the cross, to the freedom Christ bought us. There's, the, there's one memorial I don't want to forget. How about you? There's one memorial I don't want to forget. I want to, don't want to forget the, the freedom that Christ brought to me. He paid for. He bought for me. Rescuing us from the penalty and eternal consequences of our, of our disobedience to the law. The God of Exodus delivered the law. The Ten Commandments. After, after he delivered his people out of Egypt. Think about that. The commands did not come before he delivered the people. God gave his commandments not so they could earn their deliverance from Egypt, but he gave the commandments so that they could rejoice in the law that he was about to give them. 
so that they could know Him and who He is. Christ delivers His people from their bondage to sin. Through that deliverance, He provides the power and will to live in freedom, in the freedom of obedience. Now you tell me, wait a minute, obedience is not freedom. I say, yes it is. Obedience is the ultimate freedom. I can live at absolute peace as I obey the laws that God has laid out. Now, don't get turn me out yet, all right? As one writer said, obedience to the Decalogue, that is the Ten Commandments, or any other law has never been intended as the way of salvation. But as the now notice that he said that never been intended as the way of salvation, but as the appropriate response to salvation already received. I want to invite you to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read through those verses once again, as Mike did last week. Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. And you'll forgive me, I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version, which um, not all of you have, but, but, but listen carefully. Or look, at, look along in your version. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods but me, or before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your, Lord, give, Lord, Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor, including his boat. Oh, that was an addition on there. I don't think that was actually written there. Although, <laughs> he means it. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the law that You've given us. Lord, it teaches us so much about who You are. Lord, help us to learn, first of all, who You are. And then learn who we are in You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Lord God demands to be given priority. What did he say? Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. That's, just, that's my passage for today. You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. That's the first. The first commandment. And it's foundational to the other nine commandments. If we try to keep even one of the other nine commandments without first dealing with this commandment, we're lost already. We're hopelessly stuck in legalism and futility. <laughs> Obedience on this level, by the way, is a matter of the heart. Notice that? This isn't something that I can eke out. I cannot check this off. Okay, I've, loved, I, I've, I've honored God. I've put God first. Now I can get on with my life. No, you can't check that off because there's no way to measure that. It's a matter of the heart. The Israelites saw the hand of God work repeatedly in their favor. You remember that? I mean, you've this, got to understand where these guys are coming from. You know, you've heard this all your life and you think, oh, this is just normal stuff. They've never heard this before. And so God had worked in their favor a number of times. Nine plagues. Remember them? Oh, I'm not going to go over them right now. Okay. Nine plagues. A pillar of fire and cloud. The parted sea, purified water, manna, water from a rock, miraculous deliverance. Now, standing before Mount Sinai, God explains, not only am I the God who brought you out of slavery, I am your only God. I am your only God. Now that's new. The Lord uses, by the way, here, says when He talks about you, he's a, He uses this as a singular word. You might think that's kind of odd because He's talking this large group of people. And, uh, but, but really, He uses singular you in this verse to drive home both the individual and corporate nature of this relationship. Individual, in that each person has a heart issue. You have a heart issue, I have a heart issue. Each one of us has a heart issue. And so I, the, the Christ follower knows that, um, that, that they will need to pay attention to his or her heart attitude, thoughts, and personal relationship with God. They will need to love God deep from within their being. This is not some lighthearted thing. This comes from within. And it can only be done by the power of God. I can't love God on my own. I'm not good at it. All right, But He has done something. He delivered me so that I can. I can actually love Him. Corporate. Corporate in that they were delivered as a people. And as a people, they will be accountable for their loyalty. Guess what the church is today? Church is that corporate group, body, that needs to love Him with all their heart. They need to put Him as priority. He's the only one, right? He's the only one who delivered us. You had no hope without Him. You had no hope without Christ intervening and coming on the cross and dying for you. Oh, that should motivate us as a church. We wouldn't even like each other if it wasn't for that. Well, you don't even like me anyway, but it doesn't matter. You know, you have to love me, right? Jesus, when asked, which is the great commandment of the law? What did He answer? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Folks, we always toe to that second one because we like it. Love your neighbors yourself. We don't really like it because we don't really want to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we def- we go there because that seems to be easier than to us than co- even having a concept of loving God with all our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind, our whole being. How do we do that? A friend of mine, Robertson McQuilkin, a missionary educated, pointed out, I say friend of mine, I've just met him once, twice maybe. Um, so I call him my friend because I like what he says. Um, but uh, he pointed out, he said, sin against God is a violation of our love relationship with the infinite Holy One. It hurts Him, but not only hurts God, it also hurts us. God is the ultimate reality, he says, the fundamental being, the integrating factor of the universe. Therefore, to be rightly aligned with Him is the most important relationship in human existence. I couldn't say it that way, so I have to read what he says. He went on to say that God treats this relationship as the most important because what? It is the most important. We sometimes forget that in our day-to-day living, but God has not forgotten that He intends for us to relate to Him that way. We have a heart relationship with Him, a deep relationship, a meaningful relationship. More, It's closer than even a marriage. It's a close, tight relationship that is supposed to be the ultimate. This commandment is not only a heart command, but a, a worship command as well. You see, we need to give the Lord God priority through single-minded worship. And I love music. I love to sing. It's best if I do it when I'm taking a shower or when I'm a walk alone somewhere, but I love to sing. And I'll sing here because I'm with the crowd and you guys don't know how bad I do. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I do love to sing and worship, but there's more about worship that has to do with my daily living than singing a song. The Israelites spent most of their lives among worshipers of multiple gods. Think about that. All, all these people, they didn't know anything but multi-gods. Even though they knew they were a special people chosen by Jehovah, well, they didn't know him that way. They knew him as um, Elohim, the, the, the God, or the, the, uh, God, the God Most High, or God, uh, the Great God. Um, but even their ancestors prior to Abraham, think about that, worshipped many gods. Abraham didn't come out of a monotheistic background. He came out of a polytheistic background and God got a hold of him and spoke to him, chose him out of... I always wonder, like, why did he do that? Except for, I know, because he set up a plan from that point that, that, that included me. And I'm grateful for that. The Egyptians served a pantheon of gods, including Pharaoh. <laughs> Pharaoh was a god. Can you get that? And um, uh, the land of Canaan... Their destination was full of people serving other gods. This is no small commandment. Beyond these influences, the Israelites proved the reality that in human experiences, gods become. Now, why do I say that? Gods become. In our lives, what happens as we go through life? We start, we set up a little idol here, a little thing here, a little thing here, a little thing here, right? Or this person or that person, they, they all become our gods. And we serve them 
as we wish. You know, that, that mankind has a tendency to conceptualize a God, little g, or gods that will serve them and their purposes. This is the kind of God you and I tend to want. We want something that serves me. Or you want serves you. The Lord God is aware of this tendency and warns against it from the start. You have a tendency, he says, to set up other gods. No. No God before me, besides me, other than me. I'm it. I'm it. Worship is about priority. That which I value. That which occupies my mind. To which I give credit for the good in my life. That becomes a God for me. Oh, that begins to kind of disturb me a little bit. You get an education, you do good, get a promotion. You know how that is, right? Who gets credit? That's your God. That's become a God. Maybe a little G God, but still God. Matthew Henry put it like this. He said, the sin against this commandment, which we are most in danger of, is giving the glory and honor to any creature which are due to God only. Pride makes a God of self. Covetousness makes a God of money. Sensuality makes a God of the belly. Whatever is esteemed or loved, feared or served, delighted in or depended on, more than God, that we, in effect, make into a God. I can do this with my education, with my experience, with my job, with my wife, with my a particular possession, with a boat. No, wait, how do I a boat keeps showing up there? Um, Mike, are you messing with my text? Yeah, I figured that. Um, I can just as easily make a God out of fears and failures. Sometimes that's one of my deepest gods, my most common, like I'm afraid of success. So failure becomes my God. I'm afraid of other things. And that suddenly my own, something else becomes my God. It's just an interesting thought. Ignore it if you don't like it. Give the Lord God priority ah, through, sorry, I shouldn't do that. Um, Give the, God, give the Lord God priority through single-minded loyalty in every aspect of life. This is what we need to do. It's not about when we get together here on Sunday mornings. Oh, that's important too, but that's only really one and a half hours of the day of the week. If this is the only time God, the Lord, is number one in your life, don't come. Because you're just playing a game. You're not serious. If this is it, why come? Why would you? Like to placate somebody else? Maybe, maybe it's for another little G-God. Maybe you come for a little G-God. And it's in order to just make them happier. A husband, a wife. Maybe hoping your children will turn out better than you. Maybe it's just that if you do that, perhaps you're rubbing the belly of a happy Buddha or something. I don't know. 
We come for many reasons. Let's come because he's number one all week long in my life. A friend of mine, Derek Spain, for, by the way, this one really was a friend. I knew him more than twice. Um, and I just ran across a blog of his. Uh, he used to, he was former pastor in Lake Placid. Uh, he's now in Georgia uh, on staff at a mega church. I don't know why. I always asked him why. Um, but uh, but he is uh, he's the missions past missions and discipleship. So that's okay. You know he's still doing something. Um, that's terrible. <laughs> I repent of that. It's not in the notes, Mike. It's not your fault. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he said he said this. He said, think about it. Who will you pair, compare God with? Okay, I didn't write this. He wrote it, so he didn't have the dangling preposition. Celebrities. I'm just kidding. Just bad today. Um, this is almost over. Good. Um, who, who will you compare God with? Celebrities? Wooden statues? Corporate executives? Government leaders? Sports heroes? Kings' palaces? Idols of any kind? Academic institutions? You know, the list could go on and on. We do that, don't we? We say, God is like... And we say, He's like this, right? But who could, could you really compare them to that? I mean, think about those people. Derek said this. He says, God has no equal. You know, that's where we, that's why we fail so much in understanding God. We're always trying to compare Him to somebody. God has no equal. And he said, no philosopher, teacher, scientist, scholar, engineer, doctor, artist, politician, soldier, businessman, or anyone else, or anything else compares with God. He is the greatest. He knows how many stars are in the sky. He created them. He can tell, call them by name, the Scripture tells us, right? Now these kids, they knew they couldn't count that sand. Isaiah 40 says, verse 12, beginning of verse 12, says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in the balance? and the hills in a pair of scales. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or has his counselor, who, who, as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn. That's had a lot of trees, by the way, at that time. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before Him. They are regarded by Him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with Him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He, he seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out 
He who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It is He who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock been taken root in the earth, but He merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I would be His equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created those stars. The One who leads forth their host by number. He calls them by name <laughs> because of the greatness of His might and the strength of His power. Not one of them is missing. Who is your God? Is there another one that you're going to even put anywhere close? Who is your God? I want that one to be my God. I don't want to put anything else. I don't want any little G-gods in there that talk about my greatness or build me up or my, for my cause. I just want the one. <laughs> There's no one who can compare. No one can compare. Let's pray. Father, we come before You. Thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your promises. We thank You for who You are. Lord, we want to know You. We don't want to just be serving little gods here and there. We don't want to do things that will create a problem for us in the future. Anything other than you would be that. Father, what we really need is you. Help us to know you for who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.